Turn with me please this morning to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together. And he gave them power and authority over all devils. Some scriptures say demons. And to cure diseases. Said out loud, he gave them them power power and authority authority over all demons. And to cure diseases. Is that what you need? To deal with disease? To deal with demons? You need power. And authority. And he gave it to them. Didn't he? Skip down to the 10th chapter. There in the 9th chapter there. It records him. Giving them this power and authority. And in the 10th chapter, in the first verse, he appointed an additional 70 and sent them. So it's not just the 12 now, it's also the 70. How many is that? It's at least 82 now that we got empowered and authorized. And down in verse uh, 17, the 70 returned again with joy. We're talking about joy Friday night. And uh, how the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you weren't here, uh, catch up with us. Get, Get online and download that message. Or if you're in the building, go in the back and get you a CD or DVD. Won't cost you anything. Little, little bit of time. How many think it's valuable to give some time to getting the word in you and getting faith in you? I mean, you're in the house this morning, so you probably believe that. It's likely that you do. It's sad that so many people don't. They don't see the value in putting the word in you. It makes all the difference in your life. The 70 returned again with joy, and they said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us. To who? To them. And and this is not Jesus, and this is not Peter, James, and John. (laughs) This is not the twelve. This is this other group, the seventy. They said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And they were pretty happy about it. Had joy. He said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. How many know the devil ain't what he used to be? (laughs) He's not. He's a stripped, brought to naught, under our feet, defeated foe. I should have said it right. Eternally defeated foe. He's not just a loser. He's the loser. Have you read the back of the book? Nobody has ever lost on the scale and magnitude that he has. (laughs) I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. 
Jesus said, behold, pay attention now, look at this, I give to you power. Now, in chapter 9 and 1, he said, I give you power and authority. This is the word for authority, actually. Also, you could translate it right. I give you the right and I give you the authorization to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, when he got through telling them that, do you think they were afraid of the devil? No. <laughs> when he got through telling them this, I give you authority. And in previously to the 12, he said, I give you power and authority. I give you authority to tread on all this, over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you think they heard that in creation and thought, ooh, the devil. Ooh. Ooh. It seems like people go in two ditches when you talk about this subject, when you talk about spirits. Jesus dealt with spirits. Have you read the gospel accounts? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you bring up the subject of evil, the devil, demons, evil spirits, you got pretty much two camps. You got one group that turns you off immediately and goes, huh, what? Evil spirits. Oh, that's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. That's a bunch of superstition and junk. And so they don't want to hear any of that. They don't want to be associated with any of that. Basically, they are Sadducees. That's right. There was a group in Jesus' day that did not believe in spirits. And they were called the Sadducees. So I reckon Sadducees are still around, aren't they? Acts 23 and 8, you don't have to turn there, but Acts 23 and 8 says the Sadducees say there is no resurrection and there's no angel and there's no spirit. There are no spirits. And neither, they didn't believe in resurrection either. That ain't much of a religion, is it? (laughs) Don't have much to look forward to. But the truth is, God is spirit. He's the father of spirits. We are spirits. Just because we have a physical body doesn't mean that's all we are. We're not just body and mind. We're spirit. We have a mind and soul. And we live in a body. But if you lost your body today, you'd still exist. And you'd still be you. You're a spirit. And the people that have lived on this planet before us and hundreds of years and thousands of years ago, they're still around. And they're not here roaming the planet. But they still exist. And there are angels that are spirits. They're real. And there's a devil. And there are evil spirits. And they're real. And you got to make up your mind what you believe about this, don't you? 
You either in that Sadducee bunch that doesn't believe that there are spirits. They don't basically they don't believe in anything they can't see and can't touch. If they can't see it, if it's not physical, they don't believe in it. And of course that eliminates a lot of things, doesn't it? But then you got another bunch. Not only do they believe in devils, they believe in devils stronger than about anything else. And they see devils in everything. There's a devil under every rock. There's a devil in the cereal box. And there's devils in the dog and the cat and in the neighbor and the mailbox. And there is a fear of the devil. And they don't realize they've been influenced by Hollywood horror shows. And they've got this idea that the devil is like something they saw maybe in a horror film. And for the most part, it's nothing at all like that. These spirits are real. But for a child of God... Nothing for us to fear. Amen. I said nothing for us to fear. Amen. Now if you're not a believer. And you got no authority. Over wrong spirits. Well. That's something else. I recommend you get saved right away. <laughs> but for believers. Believers. Am I talking to believers in here this morning? Amen. Believers should not be afraid of the devil at all. At all. At all. And when you think right, your mind's renewed, you're enlightened with the word instead of some bunch of junk, you'll get free from your fears. Now, he said, I give you authority. I give you authority. Verse 19, Luke 10. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Then should you be afraid? No, you should not be afraid. You're there in the book of Luke. Just back up to the fourth chapter in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4. I tell you what, put up on the screen for us before I read this. James 4, 7. Just hold your place right there in Luke. But put up James 4, 7. And let's read this and then we'll read this passage. James 4, 7 says what? Look at the screen with me. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and what will happen? He'll gobble you up. Huh? Because he's a big, bad, mean devil. No. For a believer, if you resist him, what does the Bible say will happen? He will flee. He will flee. flee. Another translation say, in fact, let me just read it to you. It said, Young's literal translation says, be subject to God, stand up against the devil. Stand up against the devil 
and he will flee from you. Do you need to stand up against the devil? Well, if there is no devil, you wouldn't need to. There either is or there's not. Hmm? If there is, then he's behind a lot of stuff. The stealing and killing and destroying. And the Bible told us, didn't tell us to beg God to make the devil quit. Religion will teach you to do that, but the Bible will teach you something else. The Bible teaches you and me to stand up and resist. And that the devil would do what? He'll flee from you. The New Century, the NCV, New Century version says, So give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. Am I reading the New Testament? This says, the devil will run from you. He will flee from you. He will run away from you. So why should you be afraid of the devil? You don't need to be afraid of the devil. You need to resist the devil. And in resisting, what's going to happen? He will run away. Who will run away? The devil will run away. From who? You. You. Me. If we will boldly resist him, stand against him. But what was the first part of that verse? Submit to God. Submit yourselves to God. Now, I wanted you to see this, have this in mind before we read this. Go, go there to uh, Luke 4. In Luke 4, Jesus was tempted in the uh, wilderness. And about verse 6 here, Luke 4, 6, the devil said to him, there must be a devil. There must be. Jesus had to deal with it. You know, one of the devil's favorite things is you believing he doesn't exist. And it's sad that he's got much of the world Believing that. That way he's able to operate unhindered. Unrestricted. Because if there is no devil. You're certainly not going to resist him. So he's unhindered. He's not resisted. But the devil said to Jesus. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment of time. All this power will I give you. And the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Now some folks say, well, that is not right. The devil didn't have that power. He didn't have that glory. Well, if he hadn't, Jesus would have known it. And it wouldn't have been a temptation. And it shouldn't have been in here. No, he did have it. Second Corinthians 4.4 calls the devil the God of this world. And it's because... Of man, Adam and Eve, bowing their knee, yielding to the temptation, giving place. All you got to do is look around to see what a mess things are in. To realize God's not running it. No. If you've been with us, we've been preaching on this um, on Sunday mornings there in, in Branson. If you've listened in, that uh, people say, well, you know, God's in control. God's in control. Is he? He's in control of everything. 
Now the psalmist said, the heaven, even the heavens, is the Lord's. But the earth he's given to the children of men. Why would he say it that way? How much crime's in heaven? Huh? (laughs) How much demonic activity? How many plagues and and disease? How much AIDS and cancer and heart problems in heaven? Huh? Murder. Stealing. Zero. None. You know why? Because God is in complete control of that. What about down here? Lots of it. Why? Because men are in control. And men are yielding to the devil. And Jesus said, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If his will is being done on the earth, you wouldn't need to pray that it would be. Read that next verse. That was verse 6. The devil said, verse 7, if you'll worship me, all shall be thine. What does the devil want Jesus to do? Same thing. He was pulling on Adam and Eve. He wants them to yield to him, submit to him, worship me. Yield. Well, I mean, there is no clearer picture of submitting to somebody than falling down before them and worshiping, right? But if he's yielding to the devil, do you think then the devil's going to be yielding to him? No. No. Which is what the enemy's after. If you yield to the enemy, you can't expect for him to yield and run from you. Which is why the scripture said in James, what did it say? Submit yourself to God. Right? Then what did it say? Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. If you're yielding to the enemy, he knows he doesn't have to yield to you. But if you'll yield to God, submit to God, and then put your foot down and resist the devil, he can't even mess with you. He just has to run. He has to get out of there. Why? Why would he run away from you? It's not just about you. It's about whose you are and who's in you and that name that's been given you. He can't tangle with that. He can't do anything with that. He just has to run. But if he can get you and I to yield to him and let him run your life, then if you're yielding to him, he doesn't have to yield to you. And you don't reign as a a believer in your authority. You're defeated. God intended for us to live like he did. Jesus set us an example, didn't he? From the beginning of his ministry, he did not yield to the enemy. What did he say? Verse 8. What did he say? Get behind me, Satan. Reckon that anybody else needs to say that ever again? Huh? Practice it out loud. Get behind me, Satan. You know, even the most holy saint of God has found thoughts and feelings and suggestions that have come to them that are perverted and wrong and evil. And people will, you know, some of these thoughts or feelings will come and the devil's the one that brought them. But as soon as they get there, then he'll say, look at you. Supposed to be a Christian. Thinking that. Imagining that. 
He's the one that brought it. <laughs> no, you don't have to feel ashamed for some suggestion he brought to you. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's only a sin when you yield to the temptation. Jesus himself was tempted. Right here, we're looking at an example of it. No, you just need to learn this. I mean, there's some bizarre thoughts can come to your mind. And there's all kind of feelings can come across you. And there's time and time again when you need to say, get behind me. So I'm not doing that. No. No. I heard a fellow say this years ago. I thought it was such a great illustration of what we're talking about. He was in a big city. And they invited him up in this huge uh, skyscraper. Wanted him to see the view. Took him all the way up to the top and went out on this little balcony. He's holding onto the rail. He said, man, cars look so tiny and everything down there. He said, a thought came to his mind. Why don't you just jump? <laughs> Why don't you just jump? He looked up and said, you jump. I'm not. <laughs> I thought that is so good because he recognized This thought came from out here. It didn't originate inside me. But see, a lot of Christians are not aware. They don't believe in a devil. They don't believe in anything that could come bring a wrong thought. So they'd grip the rail and go, why am I thinking about jumping? Oh, man, that's the last thing you should ask because the enemy's right there with some other information. He'll say, because you're suicidal. No. Yeah. No. I'm not suicidal. You're thinking about jumping? No, yeah. <laughs> That's how people get messed up. When all you got, same thing, the enemy bring a suggestion to you. Why don't you steal that money? It's right there. You need it. Just take it. Why don't you see if so-and-so's wife will go out with you? She's pretty. Why don't you see if so-and-so's husband? See, it's time for you when any kind of thought or feeling like that comes, it's time for you to say, get behind me. Get by. No, I'm not going to do that. Not now, not next week, not next year. No. Get behind me. Resist him. Stand up against him. Resist him. What the Bible say? He'll run off. Now that doesn't mean he'll never come back. But if he comes back and brings a thought or feeling again, do you know what to do, saints? If he brings it 500 times over the course of the year, what do you do? You resist 501. No, we don't have to take these thoughts and feelings. He, uh, skip down to verse 32 in this fourth chapter. And notice how Jesus operated. I wanted you to see, first of all, before verse 32, we're reading in the first part of chapter, verse 6, 7, and 8. Jesus was tempted to yield to the wrong thing. I know that sounds strange to our ears, but the Bible says so. He didn't yield to it, but the enemy was tempting him, pulling on him too. And if he had yielded to the enemy, he wouldn't be in the position that he's in now that we're about to read. The Bible said after, well, let me just, you're there on the page. After these temptations, the enemy threw everything he had at him unsuccessfully. And verse 14, Jesus returned, how? In the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Thank you, Lord. 
Look in verse 32. They were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And what did Jesus do? He said, ooh, did y'all hear that? (laughs) There is a spookiness associated with these things we must get rid of. Because if you're fearful about what you're ignorant of in these areas, you'll either want to pretend it's not there or you'll be afraid of it. Both of which is wrong. You're a child of God. You got the greater one inside you. You have the authority in the name of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy One upon you. The devil's afraid of you. Why would he run away? He's not afraid of you. He's afraid of what's in you and what's on you. No. What did Jesus say? He rebuked him. He, what does rebuke mean? Yeah, to speak harshly to, strong to. He said, hold your peace. Now that's King James for shut up. <laughs> Isn't it? We don't talk exactly this way nowadays. So we need to use language we understand. Hold your peace. Shut up. Now we know it wasn't just soft couch tones because he's rebuking him. He's rebuking him. So it couldn't be, would you be quiet? (laughs) No, it's rebuke. Shut up and come out. Now these are the two most important things you need to know about dealing with the devil. In any form or fashion. We're going to practice it real slow. We're going to go over it several times. Two most important things you need to know about practically how to do it. Number one, shut up. Number two, come out. Let's go over it again. Number one, shut up. Now see, if this really bugs you, it's because you've been a Sadducee too long. You don't believe there is such a thing, right? Do you really want to be a Sadducee? We're talking about what Jesus did. Do you think Jesus was confused? Was Jesus just imagining that he was dealing with the devil? Well, then it's real. If it was real, it is real. This is how it is. But is Jesus scared? Can you picture him being scared? doing this <laughs> looking back at the disciples and say pray hard pray hard pray hard <laughs> alright you devil <laughs> I'm going to beat you if I have to stay here for three days Mm-mm. no that's stuff that some people have come up with yeah. it wasn't that way that's not how he did it yeah. 
Let's practice again how he did it. You ready? Shut up. up. Now this is not what you tell your spouse or your neighbor. (laughs) We don't have authority over people. (laughs) People got a mind of their own. And they can do whatever they want. No matter what the Lord wants them to do. If he's not going to make them do what he wants them to do. You can't. But we do have authority. Over the devil. We do. We do. And this, if the enemy's trying to say something and do something, you shouldn't cry and go into a panic and tell all your friends, the devil said something to me. Ooh. Ooh, the devil. Why didn't you tell him to shut up? You're not supposed to cry. You've been watching too many horror shows. You just say, shut up! And if he's in a situation that's, that's in some of your areas, come out. And the devil threw him in the midst and he came out. Why? Because Jesus told him to come out. So what did he do? He came out. Why? Because he told him. Come out. So what happened? He came out. (laughs) And heard him not. And heard him not. And verse 36. And they were all amazed. And they spoke among themselves. And they said, what a word is this for with authority and power which is exactly what he gave to the 12 and to the 70 and we're going to get to it and to you and to me with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out out. why because he told them to come out one more time shut up. up Come out. out. You're ready. No fear. And the fame of him went into every place of the country round about. Now we're going to see in the next verses, you deal with sickness the same way. You believe it? Now I know this seems strange to a lot of traditionally minded church going folks. It, It seems so strange to them. But it's not because it is so weird. It's because the church got away from this some groups hundreds of years ago. And have never gotten back. But was Jesus just imagining things here? Huh? Then it needed to be dealt with this way. And he did it the right way. If you're going to be a Christian, who's your example? The Christ. The anointed one. And if you're going to be successful and deal with things victoriously, you're going to deal with them the way he dealt with them. Right? The way you read in this book. The fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. We're going to say this over and over as, as time goes by, but I'm convinced we as the church have just allowed so much junk the devil's doing That we should have shut down. We should have stopped it. So much stuff in people's personal lives. In their bodies. In their finances. Did you hear me friend? People are just letting stuff go. Right and left. Acting like it's not up to me. Acting like there is no devil. Acting like the. And and, and people are just in a mess because of it. We need to act like Jesus. When we see these things. We put a stop to them. 
We put our foot down. We bind it up. We shut it down. Shut up. Come out. Stop it. Now a lot of the church is never going to believe that. And they're going to mock and say, oh, surely you didn't go over and listen to that guy preaching on that stuff. But then on the other hand, they don't have answers. I said they don't have answers. Because when tradition replaces truth, rituals replace results. And experience is replaced with an explanation. And that is description of much of the church. They got plenty of rituals and they got explanations. And they got traditions. Now if that's what you want, you can have it. How about those some results? Amen. <laughs> How about some results? Amen. Not just a bunch of talk, but experience. Amen. Experiencing God. Experiencing victory. Experiencing freedom, protection, provision, healing, being led supernaturally by the Spirit. Experience. I'll take experience. If you want experience, then you're going to have to get away from the tradition and get to the truth of the word. Get back here. Keep reading. Verse 37, the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. Verse 38, he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. Luke's doctor He gives us a descriptive word. She's apparently not just running a few degrees. She's delirious with fever, a great fever. And they besought Jesus about her. And uh, Jesus stood over her. Jesus stood over her. And he said, now y'all be quiet. (laughs) And he prayed, our father, (laughs) you know the suffering of our dear sister. And if it be thy will, we would pray, but we know that, you know, you, you work in such mysterious ways and everything is you somehow. Everything happens for a reason. I'm quoting half the church world, right? But I'm not quoting Jesus. He never prayed that way. In fact, he didn't even pray about this. Didn't even pray about it. Did he? Didn't even pray about it. He stood over her. They came in and they said, Jesus, Jesus. Peter's mother-in-law, man, she's, she's out of her head with this fever. Could you come look? He comes in. She's laying there on the bed. Out of her head, I guess. He stood over her. What'd he do? What'd he do? He rebuked. Sounds familiar? He rebuked the fever. Now, I know years ago I read this and, and noticed it for the first time. I thought, he's not talking to God, the Father. He's not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. He's talking 
to a fever. How many think today a whole lot of theologians would think Jesus is nuts? If he was in the earth ministering because he talks to trees, he talks to evil spirits, he talks to wind and waves, he talks, doesn't he? He talks to fevers. He puts mud in people's eyes. He spits on people. <laughs> how many think a lot, if, if that was happening today, nobody had ever read any of this, how many think folks would be warning people in the church, don't, don't go to his meetings. Man, don't. That guy is off, man. He is, no. Well, they did. The religious leaders said he's of the devil. Yeah, he's doing that supernatural stuff, but he's doing it by the devil. And Jesus warned them. He said, you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. They were attributing the works of the Holy Ghost to the devil. Evil spirit. No. He was doing it right. He rebuked the fever. And I remember when I saw that, uh, realized it for the first time, I thought he's not praying. He's not talking to the father. He's not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. He's talking to a fever, a fever, a fever. And then I thought, can I fever here? And I read the next phrase. What did it say? What did it say? And it left her. And I thought, yep. Fevers can hear. And if a fever can hear, other things can hear. Blood pressure can hear. Growths can hear. See, there are spiritual sources and influences behind things. It's not everything's not just physical first. It comes from a spiritual source. And he he spoke to it. The way he dealt with it was speaking to it. And he didn't him haw around about it. He did it very boldly. Didn't he? With authority. That's the thing. It shocked them because they had scholars and theologians that came and explained the Hebrew nuances and the Chaldean references and the remarks. And it could be and it might be and, you know, and he came and, and, and just said it so bold, like he knew what he was talking about. And like he completely believed it and expected it to happen. And they just sit back and went, wow, what a word. It's so bold. And then when he said it, it happened. And they were really impressed. Jesus stood over her and did what? Did what? Rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately. She arose. She got up. And here's one of the best uses of a healing I've ever seen. Immediately, she started ministering. That means serve. She started serving them. She's out of her head, delirious with a fever. Jesus walks in there. He said, fever, get off of her. Fever, get out of her now. Man, that's foreign to most of the church world, isn't it? You know, I've seen preachers that would get up in your face if you start doing something like this. Now, and say, don't you dare mess with the work of God. Talk about the fever. They think the disease 
is God. They think that the problem is God. God's in everything. Apparently Jesus didn't think the Father was in this. He'd have been opposing his own Father. God the Father is not giving fevers to our family members. He's not the thief. He's not the killer. He's not the destroyer. There's a devil. I said there's a devil. There's a thief. There's a killer. There's evil in the world. And you and I are not supposed to tiptoe around it. And we're not supposed to say, well, may God, maybe. No, you need to know what's not God and stand up and boldly tell it to get out of your house. Man, the church world is messed up in this area. I don't claim to, to know all about it, but thank God learning a little bit about it. I know if a big old nasty pig comes in your door in your living room. And is rooting and snorting and tearing up stuff. You don't go sit down in the corner and go, I guess the Lord sent this big nasty hog into my house to teach me something. And he's tearing the curtains off the window and making the awful stench and smell in the house. And you're going, I can hardly stand it, but you know, the Lord's will be done. I know we laugh at it, but people are doing this. They're doing this in their families, with their bodies, with their minds, with their kids, with their life. The devil is just building a nest in their house. And folks are just entering a well, whatever the Lord wants, whatever the Lord wants. What the Lord wants is for us to do what he told us to do. Resist the devil. Stand against it. Commanded to go, rebuke it. How about mothers, daddies either? Your baby's got a fever. Your little one's got a fever. What should you do? Hmm? Maybe God's got some purpose. Making my little baby sick. See, religion has taught this kind of junk to the church. And millions believe it. It's not how Jesus operated. It's contrary to how he operated. There are things that are just not of God at all. They are of the devil. Hmm? And you're not supposed to make a place for it in your life. You're supposed to get it out. You're supposed to stomp your foot and say, no, you don't. Not in my house, you don't. No, you don't. Not in my body. No, you don't. Not in my mind. Not in my finances. Stop it in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. Rebuke it. Right? Now, I know not everybody understands this, and you don't have to do all of this in front of everybody. There's sometimes you might need to speak up, but a lot of times you can get off by yourself. Take care of it under your breath or at the house, because a lot of folks are not going to understand it. They didn't hear the message. <laughs> And some folks, even if they did, they they just have chosen to believe something else. But this is how Jesus did it. I don't know of a better example to follow. Do you know of any better example to follow? See, that's, a lot of people don't realize that 
But there are these pastors and teachers and theologians. They're telling us to follow somebody else's example instead of Jesus. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to do it the way he did it. Anybody here join me? I'm, I'm going to do it the way he did it. When I can discern something is of the enemy, something's here to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not time to be pitiful and beg God and say, well, whatever's supposed to be. It's time to get to rebuking and binding. Shut it down. Get it out. Put a stop to it. Look in the eighth chapter. Luke 8 and about verse 22, I think. Luke 8, 22. It came to pass on a certain day, he went into a ship with his disciples and he said to them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I can't sleep on a plane. I can't sleep on a train. I can't sleep in a boat. Well, if you won't be afraid, you can Right? Jesus is sleeping. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. A storm came. And the waves got so high and rough that it filled up the vessel they were in. And they're about to sink. They're in jeopardy, it says. And they came to Jesus and woke him up. They had to wake him up with all those waves and the wind and water in the boat. He's still just snoozing. How many think you ought to be like the master? And they woke him up and they said, Master, Master, we're perishing. We're, We're about to drown out here. Then he got up. And said, y'all kneel down. Let's just commit ourselves. Because <laughs> it looks like we may be meeting the Father here in just a few moments. <laughs> and we don't know why in the middle of this wonderful ministry that's been going on. That me and all my team's going to drown out here tonight. But God's ways are mysterious. And you just never know. I'm not making fun. I'm quoting how millions of people think. Is that the right way to do it? Because that's what people are doing by the millions. Why? Because they would either believe that God is in the storm. Or even if he's not, they can't do anything about it. Nothing they can do. It's mother nature. What is mother nature? Just something somebody came up with. What did Jesus do? He got up and did what? Immediately started talking to that wind. And talking to the raging of the water. And what happened to them? They ceased. And there was a calm. Now, Jesus had to have known His father was not in that storm or he would have never resisted it because he said, I always do those things that please the father. You see people, you know, tornadoes, 
thunderstorms and everything else kill people and, and kill grandmas and children and, and this one that. And, and, and ministers come and say, well, you know, we don't understand God's ways. They're saying God picked up that trailer and threw it down and killed that six-month-old. Really? Really? No, sir. No, ma'am. That's religious, traditional junk. You heard me say it. No. What would Jesus have done? Jesus would have rebuked it. Wouldn't he? Are you a follower of the master? If something's coming to steal and to kill and to destroy some believers are to jump up and go, stop. No, you don't. In the name of Jesus, stop. Cease. Be still. Quit. But see, as long as you think God's in everything, you're not going to do that. As long as you think there is no devil, there are no evil influences, you're not going to do it. So it makes a whole lot of difference what you believe, doesn't it? Whole lot of difference what you believe. What did Jesus do? He rebuked spirits. He rebuked fevers. He rebuked the wind. Now some folks will say, yeah, but now, you know, that's Jesus. Brother Keith. He could do that. And the 12, because he gave, don't forget the 70. <laughs> and the book of Acts. And people throughout recorded history, it's happened all the way up to the present time of amazing things that have happened when men and women spoke in authority in the name of Jesus. No, he said, if you believe on me, the works I do, you'll do also. Didn't he say it? If you have faith in me and whatever you say and ask in my name, I will do it. We're going to go through scripture after scripture. Jesus is showing us how to live. He's showing us how to do it. Giving us the example. We must not just take that and throw it aside and say, no, we're going to do what some other man or woman told us how to live. This is the way to live. I said, this is the way to live. This is how to live. In authority. In power. Can you say amen? Amen. He arose and rebuked the wind. And the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Now we see without question that this is available to his followers. Look at the very next phrase. The very next phrase. Verse 25. What's the very next thing he said to them? Huh? Where's what? Where is your faith? We just saw his. We just saw his. How do we see his faith? He got up and told it to quit. And what did it do? It quit. Why? Because he told it to. And yet so many people would agree and go, well, yeah, but that's Jesus. He's the son of God. Yes, but he's not operating as the son of God. If you read these scriptures again and again, it talks about how God had given authority and power to the son of man. He's operating as a man, showing us how to do it, giving us an example to follow. He said, where's your faith? In other words, 
Why didn't you just let me sleep? (laughs) You've been traveling with me for years. Now you've seen me do this every day for these years. Why didn't you take care of this? Why didn't you do something about it? Where is your faith? And so they were afraid. And they said, what kind of man is this? What kind of what? Man, man. For he commands even the winds and water and they obey him. Can you say, I believe it? Oh, hallelujah. We have been given the name of Jesus. We have been given authority. The greater one, the mighty Holy Spirit is in us and on us. The Bible said you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Do you think we ought to step up and begin operating more like the master instead of just throwing up our hands and thinking, well, you can't do anything about this. It's nothing to us. Maybe God's in this awful thing and and being so ignorant and just allowing stuff we should not allow. How many remember that scripture says neither give place to the devil? Neither give, don't give him any place. Now, don't you think we must be able to do something about it or he wouldn't tell us don't give him any place. If we couldn't help it, it would do no good to tell us give him no place. He knows we have the ability to put a stop to it that's why he told us, don't give him any foothold, don't give him any place. Put that up, please, Ephesians 4.27 in the Amplified. Ephesians 4.27. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? What did Jesus, Jesus told them, get out. What did they do? Got out. Stop. And what happened? Stop. Cease. Be still. What did he do? It ceased. Why? Because he told it to cease. Now if you think, well, I just don't know about all that. Well, then it won't work for you. It works by faith. You got to become convinced of it enough that you're not playing around and tiptoeing around. You expect it to happen. And so you say it like that. And it does. We've seen it over and over and over again. And sure, we got a lot to learn about this, but we can start walking in the light we have right now, today. In fact, say it out loud further. Father God, open our eyes. Teach us about this, about what's real, about what's right, about how our master lived and operated and how this applies to us. Open our eyes. Help us to see the truth that makes us free in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.